Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.
You're sensing a theme this morning, I think. Because it is World Communion Sunday, but it is also uh, a morning when we emphasize the ministry to children. Don't you love children? I think my favorite worship service is when we get to do baby dedication. We love babies. Love to hold. In fact, probably one of my favorites uh, was getting to hold Clara just a moment ago, too. Anytime I get to hold a baby and lift them, I'm the one being lifted, I feel like. They don't have to do anything, do they? Especially babies. They don't do anything except just be babies, right? That hymn that says, How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. We get that. We know that. Jesus loved little children too. We know that. We see him each year as a baby. In Bethlehem's Christmas, he thought a great deal about them. And he said in the passage that's been read this morning, that children have an advantage over adults. They know something about the kingdom of God we don't know. Now, maybe they have an advantage over us because they are so adorable, aren't they? And and we're not always so adorable as adults. Aren't they cute when they they play house and they have their stuffed animals as their dinner guests? That's so cute. And it's so cute when they say funny things during children's sermon time or when they make in color pictures and place them on the pulpits. That's cute. Or we dress them up in cute outfits or dress them to look alike like their brothers or sisters. And they make us so proud. And they have an advantage over us because they are so cute and so adorable. Or maybe it's because they're so innocent The world hasn't had time to crush their spirit or hit them with all the temptations. So maybe it's their innocence. Do you think that's what Jesus meant? What kind of advantage does cute and innocent have when compared to what adults can do, right? Think about it. Adults are responsible We go to work, provide things for our family, right? We make things. We know the answers to what holds the moon in orbit. We know why people go to war. We know what makes an engine run. But do children? Some of them. Most of the time we have to teach them. What kind of advantage is that over adults? who know how to make things, how to work, who know when it's time to be quiet and when it's time to speak, right? Oftentimes children do not. That's why some churches have children's church, right? I went to a synagogue once, a Jewish synagogue, and they do not have in that one a children's church or a children's synagogue or extended care. And there were these children during worship, running all over the place. And there was this one little boy I followed around the whole service. He would run over to his dad and stand next to his dad for a moment, and then he would run over to somebody else, and then 
A minute or two later, he'd run to another pew. And I guess they felt like child's laughter and excitement was something to give God thanks for. Because they don't know how to sit still and be quiet like we adults do, right? They can't drive themselves. They still have to have a parent to drive them to practice or to the swimming pool. They still need us sometimes to wipe their nose. So what kind of advantage do children have over adults? Doesn't seem like much. But you're smart enough to see I'm begging the question. The children are actually, yes, cute and innocent, but they are smart. And they're getting smarter. And they learn to dress themselves. They learn to tie their shoes. They learn to drive, sometimes faster and quicker than we want. And still, there are little ones who know all the dinosaurs and all the early periods of Earth's history. They're smarter than we think. And they know something about the kingdom of God that we adults don't. So let's ask Jesus what he means. We don't know why the people were bringing the children to Jesus. I had this image of him as sort of a celebrity coming to town and the parents wanting their children to be held by this celebrity, getting a picture of them and, and posting it on Facebook or social media. Or better yet, they know this is a holy man who's coming to town. A holy man who they know has exercised demons and who has healed people from their diseases and I think they're wanting him to touch them and bless them. Why? My mother was a nurse for 27 years. About 27 years. 10 years of those were in a hospital setting. and She was a wonderful nurse and every time I would call her she was healthy. Not sick. But then she became a school nurse an elementary school nurse. And every time I called her, she was sick. She loved children, but literally, they were making her sick. It's been estimated that infant mortality rates during the time of Jesus ran as high as 30%. But terrors of disease and famine and war claimed over 30% of children that survived birth by the age of 6 and 60% by the age of 16. So probably, a parents that day were bringing their children because they were sick or they were afraid their children were going to be sick or because the chances of survival were slim. And so... Here's a holy man. Let's get his blessing. Now the disciples didn't think it was such a great idea, of course. We don't know why, but for whatever reason, the disciples rebuked the parents. They're like the entourage, right? You know, they're the ones who protect, to protect the man. I wonder if they were doing their religious duty also because... These men would have known their Bible, their Old Testament. And your kids will eat and touch anything, right? But there's some things 
that if you touched or you ate, it made you unclean. And had Jesus been touched by one that was unclean, he couldn't go to the temple. And they were on their way to, the, to Jerusalem, to the temple. And plus, Jesus was on his way to a place where his life would be threatened. The disciples knew he didn't have time to play around with the children. And maybe it was their job to keep the riffraff from bothering him. Maybe the disciples had forgotten they were children once and that Jesus himself was in Bethlehem. Whatever the reason, it's obvious they failed to understand the nature of the kingdom of God. This is the upside-down kingdom. They rebuke the parents. Jesus rebukes them. Because Jesus has a problem with people in positions of power, like adults who try to hinder the powerless, who keep people from entering the kingdom of God. This story is in Luke as well, in Luke 18. In Luke's gospel and in his sequel, the book of Acts, Whenever there are people of power hindering outcasts, women, the poor, and children, it is always a mistake. And they always find Jesus rebuking them. I think it's maybe this as well. Children were of no advantage and of very little worth to the disciples They didn't like children because children were not that important back then. Pretty low on the social scale, down there with women, just above slaves. Disciples were aware, too, that Jesus' life was very important. And again, he didn't have time to play around. Children couldn't provide money or physical support to Jesus in that situation. In fact, they were kind of useless, maybe a burden. Fred Craddock says that one of the best sermons he ever heard was preached by one of his preaching students. She didn't have a church, so she went to a place called Wesley Woods. It's one of those places that has three levels of care for older folks. She went to this elderly care facility and they let her preach once a month in the sunroom. And all the people once a month would wheel themselves down to the chapel and she would preach. When she went to her professor and said, I don't have a church. I want you to come and hear me preach to evaluate my preaching because I really want to be a good preacher. He said, okay, okay, I'll go. And so he went one Sunday for the service and she read from this passage. Mothers bringing their babies to Jesus. Permit the children to come to me. And he said, great day in the morning of all the texts to read here. The average age is 117. And she reads, bring the little children. That's what she said. She said to these people, I still can't get over the fact that Jesus' helpers, these ministers, apostles, clergy, told the children to get out. 
She said, I can understand this a little because they do make noise. Because they do have to be cared for. Because sometimes you have to get up and leave with them. And they take people's time and they can't really give anything back. And they can't teach a class. They can't sing in a choir like an adult choir. They just, you know, she said, they're just a burden. I understand that. She went through all of that, but she said, Jesus said, leave them alone and let them come. That's kingdom people. And he said, do you know those old people sitting in that sunroom? They nodded their heads and said, that's right, that's right. As if they understood what it was like. She had never mentioned elderly people. Jesus says, we all must become useless, burdened, unimportant for God. In Mark, in Luke, in Matthew, there's a, for instance, an example that we're given about a rich young ruler. He asked Jesus how to have eternal life. He was a devout man. He had kept the commandments since he was a child. He'd earned some bragging rights. He could have said, look what I've done for you or for God. It's very powerful, had lots of money. But Jesus says, none of this, your religious faithfulness, your power, your money, none of that can merit entrance into the kingdom of God. But you must be like children who have none of this to throw up to God and brag, see what I've done, see what I've earned. Instead, you must come to God in humility, meaning to receive the kingdom as a child. We strip ourselves of what makes us think we are deserving, that we can drive and tie our own shoes and dress ourselves, perhaps, buy a house, buy a car, strip ourselves of all these, even our religiousness. And become like children, trusting not in ourselves, not in our faithfulness, our popularity, our power, our money, but trusting instead the love and grace of God. My preaching professor says he remembers the Second Vatican Council of the Roman Catholic Church in the 1960s. Some of you may remember this. Changes were made in the Roman Catholic Church that were quite radical, some of the most radical changes in centuries. So radical, in fact, that Rome knew that churches and priests were going to be upset. And so they sent groups of people across Europe and our country to meet with priests and churches to help them to understand. And they anticipated problems, which they got. Now, my preaching professor was a Protestant Christian, but they asked him to join a Jesuit priest, go along. He was a preaching specialist. They figured, well, preaching was part of the changes, so they might as well have a specialist. And he said, they put me with Father Gene Monaghan. He said, he was the prince of a man. His experience was that he was pretty marvelous. He said, I learned a lot from him. 
said, I remember our first session. He said, we were sitting in the front. He said, I was expected to take part in this service. He said, Father Monahan came in to the service barefoot, wearing only a pair of whitewashed pants and an undershirt, a T-shirt. He said, he came to the lectern and he said to these priests, I'm 54 years old. I've spent most of my adult life with my back turned to the congregation as I ministered at the altar. And now my church says, turn around and face the people. He said, I'm 54 years old. I've spent most of my life hiding among the incense pots and candles doing my work as a clergyman. And now the church says, come out and be with the people. I've spent most of my adult life saying Mass in Latin, and now my church says, speak English so the people can understand. He went on and on about the changes. When he came to the end, he said to the priests that were gathered, as you can see, I've been stripped of almost everything. All I have left is God. Professor said, I sat there in a pool of tears. Because that's the advantage of children. That's the blessing. In an upside down kingdom. That in the end, every human being, all we have is God. He said, May I make this suggestion? When you get to Bethlehem, when you get to the stable, and you go up to the crib, say to him, Jesus, here I am, very much like you, just a little child. Let's pray. We are important people, Lord. We're accomplished, talented, refined, educated. And some of that is in our way from experiencing your kingdom. Give us the humility we need to become like children in your sight. To enjoy relying on you, your grace and your love. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.